everybody, Tim here with Boozy Practology, and we are here to decide another round in our best sci-fi and fantasy author bracket. The first round has had no shortage in opinions and heartbreak, but we haven't split the party yet. So let's meet the bards who will wax poetic on fantasy authors tonight. First, we head on down to Jacksonville, Florida. Carmela Smith joins us. Carmela, how you doing? What you drinking? And tell us a little about yourself. I am doing pretty good. Um, I am still drinking because I only apparently I only drink with y'all. Uh, so I still have some of these left in the fridge. Uh, from Swamphead Brewery, I have a Florida Slush, uh, which is a raspberry lemon Berliner, and it was very good last time. So let's see if it holds up again this time. There we go. And um, if you don't know me, I am uh, one of the hosts of Trivial Warfare. We are a pub trivia style podcast um and i am also the host of a puzzle game show called foreplay that comes out every week where you make connections and uh, i am happy to be here and ready to argue with all of you well we are glad to have you once again and that was a great can open there uh next from chicago illinois it's my good friend and yours it's jay borsum jay same three questions to you uh, good, good to be back, Tim. Good to be back with some friends here. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I can't get into details. Got some really good news today that uh, maybe will come down the pipeline in the future. Uh, those of you who don't know me, uh, I am the second hardest working uh, trivia woman in this episode. Um Look, Carmela, don't give me that look over this audio medium. I don't have a project that's one of the 10 must-hear trivia podcasts uh, in the world, which is a thing that got that got announced recently. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Uh, foreplay got made a very, very strong cut. Uh, tonight, I'm actually switching it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna screw with everybody's mindset here. I've only ever done the spiced rum uh tonight because this is a fantasy-themed uh bracket. I'm going with a blueberry mead. Uh, that I've had on tap here for a little bit. It's out of Wild Blossom Meadery and Winery in Chicago, and it sounds a little something like this. Nice pop. You gotta love when someone knows how to open up bottles the right way. It's way way. more drinkable than rum, too. That's the problem. (laughs) Yeah, that's gonna be dangerous later. (laughs) Oh, we're in for a fun night. (laughs) That's going to be a problem for tomorrow, Jay. <laughs> it's going to confuse or, my liver, and I don't know what to do with that. Or tonight, Tim. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Well, our third panelist you're already hearing tonight in Muscatine, Iowa, Brian Nash is with us. Brian, what's going on tonight? I am happy to have I, – I, I, I learned a lesson last time um, – Rum and Coke and me, uh, we get along great. In fact, we might get along too well because I had a little, a few too many of them last time. So I'm going back to beer. <laughs> uh, from, Can I give you some so, advice, Brian? Mm, Ditch the Coke. Uh-huh, That's the problem. Uh-huh. Uh, I am going tonight with the Heisenberg Hefeweizen from Nerd Speak Brewery in Bettendorf, Iowa. Uh, where you can find me Friday nights hosting Geek Trivia. Oh, that was a very good crack. And it is, it's Heisenberg because he's on the can and I am the one who drinks. (laughs) So interesting fact about that beer, you can either know where it is or how much you've had, but you cannot know both. (laughs) 
True dat, yo. <laughs> well, our fourth guest tonight is down in Texas. We have Stephen. Stephen, how you doing and what you drinking? Well, I was doing great, but then we had two incredible fully can cracks in a row. So now the pressure is on. So I've got my traditional Mountain Dew Zero Sucre Code Red. Getting it to the mic. Everyone pray for this. It'll do. I'm still waiting for it. (laughs) Well, I I shot my load. So like many women, you're all just going to be disappointed. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be a great night. This Uh, is a podcast full of professional opinions. And finally, it's the guy who put all this together in my state of North Carolina, Jeff Woodhead. Jeff, how you doing and what you drinking? Well, uh, I'm feeling a little bit left out here because I don't have a can or a bottle to open. I just have a pint glass here. It's okay. Uh, I got one for you. All right. Yeah, go for it. There you go. Oh, you show off. (laughs) That was brilliant right there. Brilliant. It is well established on Boozy Bracketology that I am the king of the can opens. I pioneered (laughs) the two-step method to get the perfect sound of can opening. Yeah, just edit right. that in over Steven. We'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I figured we needed a little bit of uh, help making some sage decisions. So I am having a sage saison from the Stewhead Brewery right here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You get it in exactly one place, and that is from my kegerator downstairs. Uh, it is my home brew, uh, and it is quite tasty. So, uh, y'all, and let's, uh, hope we don't bollocks things up too badly here. Nostrovia. Well, we've met the panel. I'm calling the shots. I'm drinking just a Sam's Cola and my homemade lemonade separate, separately. One's, one's for flavor, one's for hydration. Uh, But before we get started, let's start with a nice little quote here. I like nonsense. It wakes up the brain cells. Fantasy is a necessary ingredient in living. It's a way at looking at life through the wrong end of a telescope, which is what I do. And that enables you to laugh at life's realities. By the sage fantasy writer, Dr. Seuss. We never think about him that way, but yeah, there's... I was going to say, why didn't he make the bracket? (laughs) (laughs) We've got a lot of decisions to make, so let's We've got a children's author bracket that we need to make here. (laughs) uh... (laughs) Ooh, that would be a hard one, because I mean... mm. Yeah, that final between Dr. Seuss and Eric Carley, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, uh... Let's save that for another day. We're going to jump right in with the top of the Gondor bracket. Carmela, kick us off in the match between J.R.R. Tolkien and Edgar Rice Burroughs. Oh, I don't think this is going to take very long for me. Um, So I've read both of these authors. Uh, I've read more Tolkien than Edgar Rice Burroughs, which is saying a lot considering uh, Tolkien has one world that he made. Uh, and I've read more in it than the the various ones that Edgar Rice Burroughs did. Um, and also, uh, Tolkien wasn't eugenicist. So uh, they, that, that definitely puts him above in my book. Uh, I'm going to go with Tolkien here. He, he's going to be the right answer for me. Tolkien gets that one, 1-0 lead as we head out to Jay for, the, for her vote. 
Yeah, I'm just going to parrot a lot of what uh, Carmela said on this. Edgar Rice Burroughs kind of sucked a bunch. Uh, now, product of his uh, era for sure. So you can maybe at least, if not give it a pass, understand uh, you know, eugenics and, and scientific racism were, were a bit in vogue at that time and doesn't excuse any of it, but you know, it kind of contextualizes it. That said, Tarzan is super eugenics-y, like core concept. Uh, whereas J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, gave me Legolas the sexiest elf. Uh, I've got to go with J.R.R. on this. <laughs> I don't remember eugenics in the Disney movie. Uh, Brian, <laughs> do you agree? Okay, so Tarzan is most certainly an iconic uh, character in in the fantasy and adventure world. Um, I did read the original Tarzan by Edgar Rice Burroughs, and i i have to I have to say the character was actually something of a, a, a very early example of a Mary Sue. <laughs> um, so he was. Lord John Clayton uh, was his birth name. And the character taught himself, uh, I want to say he taught himself French without a two, with, with no one to teach him, but he, he learned French by, from a book. The, the language that classically doesn't pronounce half of the letters that are written. <laughs> exactly. Somehow he taught himself. There's no how, way you can pronounce it properly. I'm aware. By just he, reading it. He not only taught himself French, but if I remember right, he, he taught himself several languages mm. from, from books that he found in the plane crash. And he just, he couldn't do anything wrong. Um, so, I mean, yes, Tarzan, definitely one of those great iconic characters, but he's not the basis for an entire genre of literature. Whereas J.R.R. Tolkien, he created fantasy the way uh, what we know as fantasy today. He laid the groundwork for just about everything in the Germanic elves and dwarves and humans and hobbits, halflings, whatever you want to call them, and orcs and everything. Um, I, I'm hoping to see the clean sweep because uh, Tolkien is definitely moving on. I'm hoping for the sweep. Tolkien is moving on. We still need to know if he has the last two votes to get a sweep. Stephen, what say you? Yeah, it's not even close for me. I've talked before about what an absolute Tolkien fan I am, and like, even if you just reduced it down to, like, the non-Middle-Earth stuff, like just the Father Christmas letters or Leaf by Niggle or Farmer Giles of Ham, all those weird little things that Tolkien wrote, there's still, I find, more joy and delight in them than I do from reading any of the Tarzan books. Um, because the Tarzan books, not only are they products of their kind eugenics-wise, but they're products of their time word-wise, and they're just, frankly, unreadable, wordy stuff. So even just I, the character is timeless for a reason. It speaks to us, but the actual source material he's from is just not that good. So Tolkien gets the vote. And that's a 4 nothing lead. Jeff, bring it home. So I was actually participating in this uh, online trivia quiz thing that I do called the World Trivia Federation. Uh, oh, some of you much, guys, much more about that. <laughs> some of you guys might have heard of it. Uh, and uh, 
I learned from that that this uh, that one of Tolkien's languages, Sindarin, uh, is uh, actually somewhat uh, influenced by Welsh, and uh, I, I figure that you know, Welsh is a very tricky language to learn. Uh, the fact that you you know spend your time learning Welsh and then create a language based on it, it shows your dedication to the bit, right? Um, so, you know, kudos to the World Trivia Federation. Go join it on Patreon. Uh, so uh, there, there are certain members of our panel that I think would appreciate that very, uh, very strongly. And uh, yeah, J.R.R. Tolkien is the obvious choice here. I'm not going to belabor this any further. And with the 5-0 sweep, J.R.R. Tolkien moves on to the Sweet 16, where they will face our next matchups winner, we're starting with Jay here. Is it going to be Madeline LaEngle or Neil Gaiman? Ugh. Can it be both? <laughs> no. Can I, I buzzer beat myself? But, okay, but hear me out. A triple threat in the next round. I think Tolkien. I think Tolkien is strong enough in this bracket that you have to put him up against a tag team to have a I chance. I don't in think this that's true at all, actually. <laughs> that's yeah, just my opinion <laughs> uh, all of this to say i don't know which way is the right way to go between madeline lingle uh who gave us one of the most beloved uh children's books of like the 20th century i mean people still read it and read it enthusiastically today in a wrinkle uh in time or neil gaiman who is just so prolifically producing content in in the fantasy and sci-fi genre uh over the last several decades. So I I talked about this with my wife, who both loves A Wrinkle in Time uh, and is a fangirl for Good Omens. And she said, nice try. Do your own work. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we love you. <laughs> I, you know, I think I think there's a reasonable chance this is going to be close. Um, I if I knew more about Langle's work outside of just the fact that she wrote A Wrinkle in Time, because it's it's a whole like universe, the multi-book series that she's written, uh, I would probably lean more heavily towards her than I am right now. But I think uh, that there's an element of, of currency going on with Neil Gaiman in my mind, uh, you know, and several novels that I have yet to pick up that have been on my bookshelf for years that I know I should read, like American Gods. Um, I don't find myself drawn to reread a wrinkle in time the way that i keep staring at this this pulp paperback a friend lent me a couple years ago and i know it's going to be on my bucket read list i'm gonna throw the vote to neil gaiman and hope smarter people than me figure it out neil gaiman gets that very tight first vote from jay brian what's your opinion um i think jay got it right uh, Madeline Langle did do the, the, the a Wrinkle of Time is a classic, no question. But Neil Gaiman, I mean, you've got Good Omens, you've got American Gods. Uh, Neil Gaiman wrote Sandman. Neil Gaiman wrote Stardust and Coraline and The Graveyard Book and so much more. Um, this is, for me, a very quick and easy and enthusiastic vote. Uh, enthusiastic enough, I'm almost scared to see what happens when he goes head to head with Tolkien. Uh, Neil Gaiman gets the vote. Neil Gaiman does get the vote, but still hasn't clinched that victory. Steven, is that enough for you? Yeah, I would have to think so. Uh, Neil Gaiman is kind of uh, special, even amongst all the authors that we're ranking, because he's one of the few authors that's worked in about every literary medium you can think of, whether that's 
screenwriting, uh, novelizations, graphic novels. Uh, he's been able to apply his skills to all those mediums, and he has had successes, amazing successes in all of them. And for that alone, he should be advanced on. Um, so whether you're popping over to comic book or finally cracking that well overdue uh, good omens, I can't believe you haven't gotten into that. Definitely get into Neil Gaiman. It's my vote. I have a lot to do. Ask around. <laughs> <laughs> and yet. <laughs> but uh, Neil Gaiman does get that third vote and will be meeting J.R.R. Tolkien in the second or in the Sweet 16. Jeff, did we get this right? Yeah. And well, that's an absolutely terrifying Sweet 16 matchup. And I'm going to be up all week thinking about that one. But it's interesting to think about this matchup because they're both writers who are known for a emotional and empathetic approach to fantasy uh, that that a lot of folks on this side of the bracket, I guess, don't necessarily pick up. Uh, but there's no question in my mind, Gaiman does it better. Uh, and Gaiman has done it more prolifically and more interestingly and uh, I have no problem giving him my fourth vote. I strongly suspect that he'll pick up a fifth, but <laughs> I am not necessarily sure. Carmela, how about uh, <laughs> I, if, if I uh, know how you're going to vote on this one? But yeah, I think we got this one right. And Gaiman does pick up the fourth vote. Carmela, is it a sweep? Uh, so as you all will learn in the round of 16 that I will throw hands for Neil Gaiman um, <laughs> 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 um, so, so Madeline Lingle is great I, I, I talked about her when we were going through the, the 64 round of like you know what a great introduction to the genre for kids you know if Wrinkle of Time is like your first foray into the fantasy sci-fi you know realm you know what a great first first look at it um, Neil Gaiman also writes children's books. Uh, Coraline is a children's book. Graveyard Book is a children's book. Fortunately, The Milk, which is a great book that I read a couple years ago, and I'm a full-ass adult, and I would definitely reread that. Um, Neil Gaiman means a lot to me personally, um, and I can get into that when we get into the 16, but yeah, Neil Gaiman is absolutely the right choice here, and uh, like I said, you'll find out next week that I will throw hands for Neil Gaiman. So... <laughs> Neil Gaiman sweeps his way into the Sweet 16, setting up a, a matchup that I am either really looking forward to or really not looking forward it, it, it's to. A, it's a difficult round. I will say that up front. It's going to be hard for a lot of reasons, but I still will throw hands for Neil Gaiman. <laughs> All I have to say is I'm glad I'm not you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody mentioned Norse mythology, which is my personal favorite. Neil yeah, Gaiman. I mean he does he does everything. I mean, I mean he does nonfiction. If you read his you know View from the Cheap Seats, which is a bunch of essays that he did, it's, he's amazing. Anything he touches, he's great at. It kind of should make me hate him because he is so good at everything, but he's just brilliant. <laughs> All right, well let's move on to our third matchup of the night. We have the sixth seed, Stephanie Meyer, taking on. The 14 seed of Philip Pullman, and we're starting this one out in Iowa with Brian. Okay, well, Stephanie Meyer got a pass on the first round because she was up against a, 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 a an author whose 
wrote about a very distasteful character. Um, I have never read his dark materials. I, I, I know it's good. I, I wouldn't have made the list if it wasn't, but um, his dark materials doesn't have sparkling vampires <laughs> and all of that. I, I, I know little about it, but it easily gets my vote over twilight. And the first vote goes to Philip Pullman. Steven, what is your vote going? Me that just wants to introduce chaos to this. Um. <laughs> As a reminder, that's how we get Moneyball. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll call your bluff. Moneyball back. Von vote Stephanie Meyer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Meyer gets the chaos vote. It is a one to one tie as we head to North Carolina for Jeff. I'll remind Steven that's also how I got Jingle all the way. Uh, <laughs> the uh, This is an interesting little matchup because on the surface, these are two fairly similar writers in terms of their target audience, at least. They're both kind of YA-focused writers focusing on the, the teenage experience and coming of age stories. Uh, but this isn't that hard for me because I fucking hate vampires, as I mentioned in the first episode. So Philip Pullman. <laughs> <laughs> Jay is also a chaos gremlin. Um, so <laughs> if I know Jay the way I think I do, <laughs> this should be interesting. <laughs> well, Jay's not the one who's up. No, I have no agency oh, yet. It's me. <laughs> you, get, you get this two to one matchup that's I currently in favor of Philip Pullman. I, I flipped him around on my Unleash piece of paper. The chaos. <laughs> I'm be like, chaos. Gonna vote chaos. Stephanie Meyer, and I'm going to have the tiebreaker. All right, look. Um, His Dark Materials is a great series. Um, It's. People like to compare it to Narnia in that Narnia is very religion focused, but his Dark Materials is actually kind of a um, a takedown of specifically Catholicism, um, and they're great books. Stephanie Meyer doing Twilight as poorly as they <laughs> were put together, it did renew the interest in vampires pulp culturally. Um, in a way that kind of fell off after the nineties in, you know, interview with the vampire, uh, Stephanie Meyer did bring that interest back up. Um, so I think she does deserve some credit for that <laughs> at the very least. Um, and you know, she gave us Robert Pattinson and who doesn't love our pets. Um, but that said, um, I'm not going to introduce chaos into this. Uh, I'm glad Stephanie Myers took out who she did. But it's time for Stephanie Myers to step aside. Uh, I'm going to vote for Philip Pullman here. I am sorry, but uh, your whole comment is Buffy the Vampire Slayer Erasure. Uh, <laughs> I was talking about books. <laughs> because there was only two years between the end of Buffy and the beginning of Twilight. So. I was talking about books, <laughs> sir. <laughs> anyway. Uh 
Philip Pullman moves on to the Sweet 16. Jay, where's your vote going? Oh, I, I, I wish I would have been the Chaos Goblin here uh, because I would have subverted your, your expectations, Carmela. Yeah, my vote's going to Philip Pullman because one of them uh, reinvented Paradise Lost with armored polar bears and stuff. And the other uh, used the term Adonis 375,000 times to refer to somebody whose enemy fell in love with a baby. <laughs> I am glad to see Stephanie Meyer go. I've never been a fangirl of the Twilight series, uh, the movies even less so. My wife loved the books, but even she said the movies were awful, and that's where a lot of the exposure comes from. Uh, yeah, no, let's let's see what Philip can do. Uh, Stephanie can have her Twilight now in this tournament. <laughs> Philip Pullman takes the 4-1 win into the Sweet 16, and he awaits... The winner of Mary Shelley, our seven seed, against C.S. Lewis, the two seed. And I just got to tell a little anecdote here before we get started. Story Uh, time with Tim. Quick, quick story. There's a right answer here. Because one of these two authors is the biographer of my ancestor. I I don't know (laughs) that I... I don't believe I didn't what? realize that you were going to bring that up every time this author comes up and you're around. I'm every time, Tim. Quick, quick story time. Johann Conrad Dippel was a German philosopher, an alchemist, and an anatomist. And he was rumored to be experimenting with transferring the souls from one cadaver to another. And it is par- partially believed that Mary Shelley based his book on who I affectionately refer to as my great uncle Johan. <laughs> <laughs> True well, <that's> story. <laughs> anyway, Mary Shelley, C.S. Lewis, we're starting with Stephen. Go. So, uh, this is a classic case of what's better, one truly great work or many, many good works. Um, and that's kind of tough for me. Because I've gotten more hours of enjoyment out of reading Lewis's collected works. Um, is anything he wrote as good as Frankenstein? You know what? I, I do think it's uh, we're, the Narnia books are always the first ones that come up, or like even his, you know, space trilogy, or um, like the the explicitly. Christian writings like uh, screw tape letters, or but I think really my favorite Lewis work is Till We Have Faces. Um, and I think about that more than I think about Frankenstein in any given year. So, off of that one really obscure work that uh, really does mean a lot to me, I'm going to give a slight edge to Lewis here. And Lewis takes that slight edge out to a one nothing lead. Jeff, it's all you. Yeah, this is uh, as Stephen mentioned. This is definitely the uh, the BB gun problem that I referred to in the first episode. Uh, I do think Frankenstein is probably better than any single Narnia book, but I do think that Narnia itself is really well imagined, uh, and. Now, again, I come back to, I think I mentioned this in the first episode, that you know, if a Jewish kid can get immersed in an explicitly Christian fantasy world, then it means you're doing something 
writing wise right also i feel like the uh the a matchup between the hyper christian lewis and the super atheist pullman in the sweet 16 would be funny as shit so i'm gonna vote for lewis (laughs) two nothing lewis carmella it's up to you oh all right so this this is admittedly a hard matchup um Frankenstein is a, a story. I mean, uh, b- before we start, I'm like, just because it's old doesn't make it better. Um, I think for Frankenstein, it it is old, but it's also still very good. And a lot of it still holds up really well, considering the book is over 200 years old. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff for Narnia. There's, you know, the other works that um, Lewis did what I always come back to when I think about Lewis is his treatment of Susan in that Susan is growing up starting to think teenagery thoughts and essentially got punished and locked out of heaven and I don't vibe with that um, so that's what kind of pushes it over the edge for me to not vote for Lewis um, and I'm going to vote for Mary Shelley here so there's still some life in Mary Shelley. Jay, is it enough to bring it back? Oh, we're going to find out as I talk this through. Uh, yeah, I came into the, tonight's recording in these uh, brackets with no preconceived notions. These matchups are all uh, far and away more difficult than than the previous episodes were. And this one uh, is an incredibly tough one because uh, as people have alluded to, you're talking about comparing an author of one of the greatest masterworks of the last the 250 years in the English language uh, versus one of the most beloved fantasy authors uh, of, of all time in C.S. Lewis. And there is a debate to be had for quality versus quantity. But I do want to point out that Mary Shelley wrote more than just Frankenstein. Uh, and she wrote more than just Frankenstein in stuff that you could consider science fiction. The Last Man, for instance, 21st century apocalyptic Europe uh, should definitely be at least weighed in this case. And I I don't feel comfortable with this being a decision that goes heavily one way or the other, uh, in all honesty. I think either of them have a very valid uh, reason for advancing the Sweet 16. So I am going to make it somebody else's problem and vote for Mary Shelley. <laughs> Brian loves you right now. <laughs> Jay does make it somebody else's problem. In fact, she makes it Brian's problem. But before we get going on that, I want to remind you that we are in a new round and therefore everybody has their buzzer beaters. If somebody would like to lodge a 30 second buzzer beater to try to sway Brian one way or the other, Brian, the it's the two seed C.S. Lewis. It's the seven seed Mary Shelley. Who gets to face Philip Pullman? Oh, man. I really didn't expect to be the one to have to make the deciding to vote on this. I went last. I'm like, well, this will be decided before I even have to speak. Oh, shit. Okay. So that means I have to try and talk intelligently about this matchup. Um, Nothing I can say will top what's already been said. Um, I have read more C.S. Lewis than I have Mary Shelley. Um, I fully 
uh, recognize Mary Shelley's contribution to the genre, especially being over 200 years old. Uh, and it still holds up as well as it does. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, I can remember watching Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. When there was an animated TV special that they put on. And I remember watching that as a little kid. And, and I was young enough that we didn't get it. So so Aslan dies. Spoilers, Aslan dies. And, yeah. And what? We, we're just... As little kids, we we, later, right? we didn't get it, and <laughs> we were we were sobbing. When I, my sisters and I were all just, ah, and then he came back, and we're we're it was odd. I, it, it was it kind of as a, as a little kid, it turned me off. Um, now of course I I see what it was at that at that, at that age. I wasn't old enough to get it. Um, and I'm kind of trying to talk myself through this and figure out which way I'm going to vote. Cause when I printed this, the, the, the updated bracket out this afternoon, I sat down and just jotted down what my picks were to go all the way through. And I think I'm going to have to scratch through what I wrote because nobody used a buzzer beater, but based on what was said, um, it would be really fun to see that matchup between Philip Pullman and C.S. Lewis with the atheist versus uh, Christian fantasy stories, but it's not going to happen because I'm voting for Mary Shelley. Brian, with the last second swerve to send Mary Shelley into the Sweet 16 where she will meet Philip Pullman. Hey, trivia lovers. Want to get the pub trivia experience in an interactive way? Check out Liquid Courage Entertainment. With a wide range of offerings online, LK has you covered. Streaming a wide variety of trivia games on Twitch with one-of-a-kind formats like Tringo, Guestimate, Mega Sheep, and more. Or check out the World Trivia Federation. With 36 hours to answer each quiz and no obligation, the WTF is the perfect solution to scratch that trivia itch on your own time. Come see us at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage or check out patreon.com slash liquid courage to join the WTF for as little as $2 a month. That's liquid courage with a K. Innovative, interactive, intoxicating. We are heading on into the Gryffindor bracket, a quadrant of the bracket where the 16 seed Fairleigh Dickinson, I mean, Robert Louis Stevenson, (laughs) who knocked out J.K. Rowling in the first round, faces Shirley Jackson. And this one, we're starting with Jeff. More like per don't, am I right? Uh, Anyway, a sports joke for all you sports fans that are five episodes into a sci-fi fantasy writer bracket. Um, this is an interesting matchup as well, I think, because they're both writers that I became exposed to at a very young age. Uh, I think everybody and their little brother was assigned the lottery in elementary school. Uh, is that just me? 
I don't no, think I should. I, say. No, yeah, we had to read it when we were ten. I'm like, Middle you're too young here. to read this, <laughs> right? It's a, it's some creepy pasta to read for uh, <laughs> fourth and fifth graders, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously, any eight year old who has ever wanted to be a pirate has is pulling directly from Robert Louis Stevenson. So. I went back and forth on this for a while, and then I kind of felt like, you know, despite how talented Shirley Jackson was and how groundbreaking some of her stories were, no one's had the impact on the culture that Robert Louis Stevenson has had. So my vote has to go that direction just for that reason. And Stevenson with the first vote. Let's head over to Carmelo. What do you have to say? Um. So, yeah, I was also assigned the lottery when I was 10, <laughs> Um. which, again, I, I still, you know, it's probably too young to assign to 10-year-olds uh, for that kind of story. Um. But it still haunts me, and I'm 35. Um. It is stuck with me, and I think that says something, that a story can stick with you for that long, that it was a school assignment. Um, and then, you know, you have the haunting of Hill house and we've always lived in the castle, um, way down deep. I very much a horror and creepy kind of story enjoyer. That is where I, where I land. Um, which is why I love Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde so much, um, is a story I've read over and over and over again. Um, and I've, I've read Treasure Island quite a few times, too, but none of them have stuck with me in the way that Shirley Jackson's stories have. Um, and I'm going to vote for Shirley Jackson here. And I believe that makes it a 1-1 tie. Jay, break this for us. Oh, if I must, I must. I, I have some opinions on this matchup, uh, and those opinions basically boil down to, boy, this is a great matchup. For a different bracket, uh, because this is the sci-fi fantasy writers bracket, and and Robert Louis Stevenson and Shirley Jackson are far and away better known for like gothic horror. Uh, so you know the argument is, well, where's Poe in this bracket if both of them are in? Because neither of them have particularly noteworthy pieces of of fiction that are kind of definitively pinned into either the sci-fi or the fantasy genre. You could make an argument about uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but a lot of the science in that fiction was incredibly hand wavy and just kind of contrived to be in there to, to have a more philosophical Gothic horror uh, discussion in the narrative. Um, I too had to deal with the trauma of reading the lottery at far too young. It stays with you. It deserves to stay with you. It might be uh, the most formative short story I have read in my life, um, but I can't, find a good way to get my hooks into this matchup uh, of two incredibly talented and, and credit worthy authors. There's a serum in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and that sounds sciencey. So I'm going to vote for him. I guess this is good of reason as any. <laughs> again, right question or right, right answer, wrong question. Having both of them against each other in this bracket. And as somebody has, who's not f- as familiar as the rest of this panel, that's for uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, Stevenson. Okay, Stevenson gets the gets the second vote. 
get, putting Jackson up against the rope. Brian, is that enough to close the door? So it's two to one for Stevenson? Mm-hmm. Yes. Cool. Do it. Do it. I know you want to do it. Do it. <laughs> oh, I I was going to make the exact same argument you did, Jay. Uh, this is two fantastic authors who each had a sci-fi or fantasy-ish story um, that qualified them to get in here, sort of. I mean, Robert Lewis Stevenson, one of the great authors of all time, but um, it's... No, I'm I'm voting for uh, for Shirley Jackson just so we get the two two tie and somebody else gets to make this pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful when you do it, isn't yeah. it? Are, are we not viewing the pirate thing as fantasy adventure? Like, sure, fantasy. Mm. I don't know. Man, fiction. I guess it- well, Brian punts this one down the road to Stephen. Does anybody want to lodge that buzzer beater before we do? Not really. Nope. Nobody wants to break that. Steven, who moves on? Okay. Um, so as has been mentioned before, this is a bracket for science fiction and fantasy. Uh, neither one of these authors are the ones you would traditionally think about when looking into those genres. Um, so the question then becomes, what makes good science fiction slash fantasy? And when I review that, the thing that makes science fiction and fantasy important is that it's a way for us to take a step of removal and look at humanity through with that step. Um, this is why Star Trek is better than Star Wars, uh, because Star Wars is a world in which it's some people are telepathic. Isn't that cool? Star Trek is a world in which some people are telepathic. What are the moral ramifications of people being able to invade your thoughts and judge you based off of that? It's a more thought-provoking, deeper way of looking at these things. Uh, So which one of these authors does a better job of that? On one hand, we have Jekyll and Hyde. On the other hand, we have The Lottery and The Hunting of Hill House. And all of these things in which there are these sort of extra elements added that allow us to look backwards at ourselves and ask about it. And judging by the pure corpus of their work, I don't think Stevenson does that enough. I think he's more interested in the boy's adventure than really hitting upon that. So I'm going to go ahead and cast my vote for Shirley. And Shirley Jackson ends the Cinderella story. That is Robert Louis Stevenson. He did his job. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) yes he Shirley jackson the uh, florida atlantic of this bracket (laughs) yeah yeah the reluctant winner almost wanted to give it away um our next matchup is george rr martin against lewis carroll and i think this one's going to be very interesting and we're starting it back at the top of the order with carmella okay so man i love alice in wonderland like a lot it was like a a chunk of my personality as a teenager Um, (laughs) it really was uh you know written by a mathematician who did a lot of drugs (laughs) as most of them do yeah it just just you know and and we love him for it um I, i think we go back to 
something I had said when we had, we were doing the first round and uh, Grim came up is actually my favorite George R. R. Martin book has nothing to do with Game of Thrones. It's Tough Voyaging, which is a, a whole sci-fi thing that he did. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories. Um, and just really the pop culture impact he has um, still has. Um, and I just, I enjoy tough waging so much. I, I enjoy all of Game of Thrones and uh, I might be waiting for uh, book six until I die. And uh, I, that might just be the way it is. It's going to end up being a, a Robert Jordan situation. And I don't know, maybe Brandon Sanderson will get another cool gig and have to finish that story too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with this. <laughs> You can inject some Mormonism into there. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with, with uh, George R. R. Martin here. Um, it just mostly just because of my love for tough voyaging. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say Martin here. George R. R. Martin picks up one vote. We've got Jay next. What do you have to say? What I have to say is this, uh, we've already made a pretty dominant vote to, to advance J.R.R. Tolkien uh, into the Sweet 16 in this round. Do we really need the Gordon's Fisherman version of Tolkien to advance as well? Um, um. <laughs> and I, I mentioned this when it came up the first time. Uh, I reluctantly voted for George R.R. R. Martin because... He has written, within A Song of Ice and Fire, he has written five fantastic books, five books that have absolutely had their thumb uh, on the scales of the concept of fantasy in the 21st century on a broad scale. Um, but that number could, should, and at some point must be six. And it isn't yet. And at some point, George, write the fucking book. Uh, whereas Lewis Carroll, I don't have to say that about because he's been dead for a hundred and... 20 years and he wrote all his books uh, and his poems. And also uh, for anybody who's familiar with me outside the context of this uh, podcast, I'm a giant ass math nerd. And Lewis Carroll is one of my favorite mathematicians of all time. I think uh, the way that he interwove mathematical, con mathematical concepts into his fantasy and his children liter literature uh, increased mathematical literacy for a generation or more of children. Uh, it's a sentimental vote. Maybe, George deserves to advance, but not not over my math. Uh, Lewis Carroll gets my vote. And I believe, by my count, that makes it a 1-1 tie. We have Brian to break that. Okay. Um, I appreciate both of those previous arguments. Um, Lewis Carroll... Uh, Alice in Wonderland, uh, just Wonderland in general is that uh, the whole series is just fantastical and mystical and magical and wonderful and weird. And it's, it is a thing of, uh, yeah, it's a thing of wonder. Uh, George R.R. R. Martin, he gets down and gritty and he gets dirty. And he, uh, he doesn't, that there are no rose colored glasses in Westeros or in, uh, the other stuff that he's done. Wild cards, same thing. Um, 
if I've got if I'm going to pick up one of these books and I'm going to reread something from one of these authors, um, it's going to be George R. R. Martin. Uh, Martin gets my vote. George R. R. Martin does get Brian's vote, bringing it a two to one, bringing a two to one lead over to Stephen. Um, so what was just said is true. One of these uh, authors indulges in truly fantastic, uh, not just worlds, but word plays and really makes you think about things. Um, the other one has this gritty, realistic interpretation of a fantasy world. And, um, well, to quote the epic rap battle of history between Tolkien and G.R.R. Martin... The name of the genre is fantasy is supposed to be unrealistic, you myopic manatee. Uh, Carol's going to get my vote. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that Nice Peter and Epic Lloyd were going to make an appearance in this discussion, but I guess uh, I guess they did. <laughs> I, am, I love this so much. <laughs> it might not be the only time either, looking ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot more ties than I thought there was going to be. <laughs> so somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but we have another two to two tie, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah! <laughs> Which means we have an opportunity for the buzzer beater. If anybody still wants to use it, they everybody's got their buzzer beater this round. Lodge it now if you want to. This isn't a hill I'm willing to die on. And that's a whole lot of silence. Jeff. All right. I, I feel like the amount of punting in this uh, episode is getting kind of disturbing. Even though, Stephen, in fairness, that wasn't a punt. That was a honest-to-God decision. So... Obviously, in the last round, I, was, I voted against Martin uh, because largely because of my love for Turtle Dove rather than any animus towards Martin. Uh, but I, I look at these authors. I don't know. I haven't read as much Martin as maybe I should. Uh, you know, go pick up uh, one of the Game of Thrones series books. Uh, Lewis Carroll's world sticks with me pretty well. Uh, and I do want to note that the concept of timeless satire is very difficult. The satire is almost always a product of its time and that to be able to have a satirical work like the Wonderland books that still functions nowadays that you know, you still see echoes of Tweedledee and Tweedledum in modern politics that uh, Lewis Carroll was satirizing back in 19th century England. Uh, I think that's kind of cool. Uh, also, in, in conclusion, I don't have anyone who has a Westeros-related tattoo in my friend circle. Uh, I do have a very good friend with Curious and Curiouser on her elbow. Uh, so, based on both the difficulty of timeless satire and the ink rule, we're going to go with Lewis Carroll here. 
And George R. R. Martin, if only you had heeded the words of Paul and Storm in 2014 and Please wrote write and, and wrote write faster, faster. <laughs> you might have stood a chance against Lewis Carroll. But Too you much are incest, a bitch, not enough injury. and you're not a machine, <laughs> and you're going home because of it. Uh, great song. If you've never heard Paul and Storm, uh, Right Like the Wind. Everybody here would love it. Uh, Lewis Carroll moves on to take on Shirley Jackson. We've got two more matchups in this round. Susanna Clark, the 11 seed against the three seed, Terry Pratchett. And we are starting this one with Jay. I, I'm going to make my case here relatively short and sweet. I desperately want to get my hands on a copy of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by uh, Susanna Clark. I have not yet, and it absolutely seems like something that would be a read that I would love uh, from everything that I've learned about it, both from this podcast and from uh, independent research. Um, but that said, it's the only thing I know Susanna Clark from, and I only barely know it personally. So it's really, really hard for me to make a strong case uh, for her inclusion in the Sweet 16. Whereas with Terry Pratchett, um, I may not be intimately familiar with his work as well, but I am definitely more familiar with the concepts of his work uh, over the years being Discworld. And as I mentioned in a previous uh, bracket, Good Omens. I I don't think it's a hard decision for me, and that might be my own ignorance in this case, but my vote is going to go to Terry Pratchett, and if I'm wrong, I'm hoping three of you are willing to correct me on this. Terry Pratchett with the 1-0 lead as we head over to Brian. Um, Susanna Clark. Uh, she was voted in over my pick of Robert Jordan. And I, I don't, I'm not going to hold that grudge, but ma'am, you are no Terry Pratchett. This is a immediate, instant, simple pick. Discworld, we're going to talk a lot more about it later. Terry Pratchett's moving on. Terry Pratchett's out to the 2 nothing lead. Not quite moving on yet, unless, Stephen, you cast your vote for it. I genuinely do love uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. I think it's a great book that not enough people have gotten to. Um, but when it gets to the point where you've got to pick a hill to die on, um, I want to die and meet the death that's in Discworld because that's the best version of that character. So I'm going to have to go with Terry Pratchett and hope that he was right about death. And Terry Pratchett is moving on, but we still need to hear Jeff's opinion. Yeah, totally emotional pick for me uh my father who actually passed away 18 years ago tomorrow uh was the one who introduced me to pratchett and is so that, that was such a formative thing in my life that i think any vote against pratchett at this point would be tantamount to sacrilege for me uh pratchett all the way. This was an easy one. Pratchett does make it look easy. It's for nothing. Carmela, is this a sweep? Um, I love Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. I haven't read Berenice yet. It's on my list. Um, that being said, the 
in the last episode, I said I need some joy, or maybe the episode before, but like I need some joy in my life. Now that you can't get joy from uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Earl, but man, you get it in spades for Discworld. It is a world that does not take itself seriously. Terry Pratchett never took himself all that seriously, and he just made magic. Um, and it, this is 100% Terry Pratchett, new Terry Pratchett. We got this right. And after several uh, two-two ties, we have a clean sweep for Terry Pratchett. Who will he face? Is it going to be the number seven seed, Robin Hobb, or the number two seed, Stephen King? We're going to start this one off with Brian. All right. Um, I do like Robin Hobb. I have not read enough Robin Hobb, but the Farseer trilogy was good. Um, and I know that's just a tip of the iceberg in the uh, in a much larger universe that Robin Hobb has written. And Robin Hobb is a pretty prolific author. Uh, but Robin Hobb is going up against Stephen King, who has proven repeatedly that... Uh, he is a master of literature, um, and he has gone. He started out in horror, but he has expanded quite a bit. Uh, I'll, I'll say it again: Under the Dome, Eyes of the Dragon is still one of my favorite stories ever. Up there with Shaw, it's it's Shawshank meets Grimm's Fairy Tales. Speaking of fairy tale, there's no horror there. It is strictly a fantasy story, and it is brilliant. Um, I like Robin Hobb, but I love Stephen King. Stephen King is getting my vote. Stephen King with the 1-0 lead. Let's hear from Stephen. Yeah, I think that just summed it up pretty well. I'm a big fan of Wizard of Pigeons. I think that's a great book by Robin Hobb, but uh, compared to the corpus of Stephen King, who has churned out book after book after book that exemplifies science fiction and fantasy uh it's not a contest so I'm, I'm, i feel sorry for her she got a bad draw um much like my bracket she went out way too early and busted it all thank you very much arizona or should i say fuck you very much go right ahead and uh <laughs> let's vote for stephen king stephen king's got a two nothing lead jeff is that enough for for him Look, part of me wants to vote for Robin Hobb here just because it's a little bit of an easier matchup for Terry Pratchett in the next round. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I've suffered enough pain in this bracket already. Thank you, motherfuckers who voted for Andy Weir uh, (laughs) to uh, risk that. But honestly, I mean, you've got to be honest in brackets like these, right? (laughs) <laughs> there's too much on the line clearly no nah, I, I i think stephen king absolutely deserves to move on here i gotta put robin hobb on my reading list but uh i'm not necessarily the world's biggest stephen king fan i find his writing a little bit clunky at times but i think he deserves to move on in this matchup so yeah let's set up that pratchett king thing and God help you all if that doesn't turn out right. (laughs) And the Pratchett King thing will happen in the next round, but we still want to know Carmela's opinion. So 
I think I mentioned this before. I'm not super into Stephen King. Uh, I've tried to read his books. Um, I've read a few of them. I just, I can't get into it, uh, which is really funny because I'm really into Joe Hill's books, uh, his son, um, and they write in similar lanes. <laughs> so I always find that fascinating. Like, I will read a Joe Hill book any day of the week. I'm not super into Stephen King. However, I have read Stephen King's book about writing, uh, his book on writing, um, several times. And uh, it is actually very good advice as uh, for writers. I do recommend it if you have a writer's slant in any shape or form. Um, I'm not as familiar with Robin Hobb. I think I said that. Um, and it, it is a powerhouse for Stephen King. It, just his pop culture impact alone. Um, I, I'm going to vote for King here. Um, and then, you know, throw hands for Terry Pratchett later. <laughs> <laughs> You and me, Carmelo, let's go. <laughs> and Stephen King gets a fourth vote. Jay, you get the final vote of the evening. Here's here's where I fall with Stephen King. I'm I'm actually weirdly not that big of a fan of uh horror as a literary genre, or at least the 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 kind of horror that Stephen King tends to write compared to some other more gothic style horror. Um, so ultimately, I've really only read about five books in my life that Stephen King has written. But those books are The Gunslinger. Uh, they are The Talisman and its sequel, uh, Black House. They are Cell and they are 112263. And every one of those happens to be a pretty damn good fantasy or sci-fi book. Uh, so where I've, I've been critical of authors' inclusions uh, in this bracket before for, for being more horror-centric, I can't fall on the same argument uh, when I talk about Stephen King because, yeah, he's written you know dozens of, of works in a variety of genres, but he's hit fantasy and he's hit sci-fi and he's hit both in ways that have resonated with me. And as much as I want to give just a, a heartfelt vote to Robin Hobb because we need more authors uh, that talk about, you know, queerness and gender uh, mm -hmm. in their works. And, and she absolutely deserves to have a moment in the sun in this conversation. I, it's, it's gotta be Stephen King uh, at least into the sweet 16. We'll see what happens from there. That's where my vote falls. And we started with a couple of sweeps and we ended with a couple of sweeps and everything in between was very convoluted. Stephen King sweeps his way into the Sweet 16, where he will meet Terry Pratchett. And that brings us to the end of the first half of round two in this sci-fi and fantasy author bracket. We still have a lot more coming. Trust me, you're going to be upset. Uh, but we will crown a champion eventually. Join us next week as we do the round of 32 in the Foundation and Heart of Gold brackets. How did we do today? Tell us on Instagram at Boozy Bracketology on Instagram at Boozy Brackets on Twitter. Join us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash P-T-E-B-B. Every dollar you donate goes right back to making this a great podcast. But if you can't, we understand because times are tough right now. But you can still share and subscribe to the pod and leave us a five-star review if you want to support us in other ways. Want to get in on the conversation? Head to ptebb.com slash discord to join our discord channel where everybody in this chat is active in some way, shape, or form. And we have some fantastic conversation every day. For Boozy Bracketology, I've been Tim. I'm Carmela. I'm Jay. I'm Brian. I've been Steven.
And I'm Jeff. And have a great evening. <laughs>